So we are continuing on our uh, series on Paul's letters in Philippians. He was writing from a jail. Uh, you've heard that one before. And uh, we have a couple more weeks before we are done with this letter. And you're like, finally. Um, but uh, then we'll be in Lent. So good things happening there. So last week we talked about Paul's things that he can boast about. Things that he's done that uh, he could kind of pat himself on the back for. Uh, he is the Hebrew of Hebrews. No one was more religious than Paul. He was the top. He even tells you that. Uh, Pharisee. Uh, so he was like part of this political group that made sure everybody did things the right way according to scripture. He was trained to be a rabbi. He knew his scripture flawlessly. He, he just, he had it all memorized. Um, he was flawless in how he kept the law. He, he made sure that he followed even the little intricate rules. <clears throat> Yet, you put that up against Christ, and he said, that's rubbish. Or, we said, it's excrement, right? However, Paul did have a lot of successes, a lot of great things that he did. Uh, and he was a pretty smart guy. In our passage today, he talks about forgetting what was behind him, just forgetting about it, and moving forward. But I have a question. What did he want to forget about in the past? He had all those successes. What was it that he wanted to forget about? So let's go into our scripture. Today it's Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16 in the letter to Philippians. Here it goes. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take view of things, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. My brother, over the holiday season, took all of these boxes that my mom had of photos. You got any of those boxes of photos, right? He took all of the boxes, and he digitally scanned them. So the kids would go to sleep, and he got some scanner and scanned every single one of these pictures. And it was neat, because we none of us ever have the time to sit through those boxes and search through them, right? But he put them on a shared drive in the family that you could just kind of scroll and look through them pretty fast. It it's actually was a great gift to the family. Um, it was so much easier to see all of them. You kind of see uh, things before I was born and, and uh, trips that my grandma took in Germany, and it was just really cool 
and, and times of family, and there's pictures that I really remember, and then there's like all these other pictures that I've never seen around that same exact time, and it was just really neat. It was such a blessing that my brother did that. But also you get to see the timeline of like your young life into adolescence, and uh, so I started looking at that. And around 2000 to 2001, I was kind of like, what was I thinking? So there was uh, this, this time period of how I looked that was kind of odd, but it was, I guess it was popular at the time. I bleached my hair right here, all right? This was bleached. I had earrings. Um, you know, the youth in the church actually figured that out. None of the adults did, but they actually were like, you had earrings, didn't you? Um, and uh, I still have the holes, which is actually pretty funny. Um, but like from 2000 to 2001, I'm like looking at these pictures. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, have you ever done that? Come on, you've done it, right? You've looked back at pictures and you're like, what was I thinking? Uh, you know, it brings up all of these memories of things that we did, things that that we wore, things that, and we're just like, what was I doing? And it makes me think of Paul saying, I'd like to forget about that and move on. Press on is what Paul calls it. I'd like to forget about that and press on. But the question goes back to what was Paul trying to forget about? Paul was a Pharisee. He was a lead dog Pharisee. He was the top. He was all about Jewish culture and making sure that if anyone got in the way of Judaic law or the, the, the laws that, that God gave Moses, the ones that, that they were to follow, if anyone got in the way of that and, and that maybe that, that could tarnish that, that they would be punished and even possibly killed. That was Paul's job. Paul was in charge of that. He was to make sure that people did not tarnish the Jewish law. And in doing that, he persecuted Christians. He literally was the one that said, that person needs to die. He didn't do the killing, but it pretty much was like it, wasn't it? He says they need to die. They broke the law, and they continue to break the law and they'll do it again, they need to die. Paul is saying here that I am pressing on. I'm taking a new view of things. And he says this in here, taking a new view of things. The word used for view in this, remember it's written in Greek, the, the New Testament's written in Greek, the Old Testament's written in Hebrew. Um, the word is phronesis, phronesis. Um, and phronesis is a pattern of thinking, of feeling, or acting. Paul is saying, I want you to feel, think, and act in a different way. Paul's worst stuff in having Christians get killed got changed. It got changed. And it got pointed in a new direction. He took a new view of things a new way to act, to feel, to think. What if your worst stuff that has happened in your life, the kinds of things that you would not boast about, 
uh, the choices you made, the addictions you have, your deep, dark stuff got spun through Christ, all right? You gave it to Jesus, it got spun through Jesus, and now could be a retelling and seeing this life in a new way. Because that's what happened with Paul, right? His stuff of, of, of being a, a, a big religious person, of knowing the scripture, but also persecuting and having people killed, got spun through Christ, and then he used what he knew in his scripture and his knowledge and, and, and everything about God, and he used it in a new direction. Because God used his faults to do something great. What if God did that with you? And the things that you have, that you've been through, got spun through Christ and got trajectory into a new direction. I was uh, not grown up Catholic, but I had a whole Catholic family. So uh, my mom married my dad, and uh, my dad came from this one of those traditional big Catholic families. His, his great uncle, or his uncle, my great uncle, was a monsignor priest. And at that time, you always hoped that one person in your family was going to become uh, a priest. And they did. And, and uh, they sent all of the kids to seminary and hoping that one would come out a priest. And my uncle was a priest. And so that whole side of the family was very Catholic. And so anytime we came to a, a, a party together, um, we were the, the, the token Protestants in the corner. Um, and, uh, but family still loved us, and uh, things, you know, we had a great relationship with family. We all loved Jesus, and that was awesome. Um, but one thing about the Catholic faith that I always thought about and, and I was interested in was that they went to confession. My dad would talk about confession, and, and I've hear, heard people, friends, that, uh, that had to do uh, communion and confirmation, and they had to do confession. And the one thing I never heard anybody say is, I went to confession today and it was great. I love confession. I never once heard that from anybody in saying that I went to the priest, I talked to him, and I just loved, loved confession today. Um, but actually, I find something truly amazing about it. There's something awesome about confession. When I was younger, I was not a great student. Um, I, uh, I, have, I have ADD, um, self-diagnosed, but I think my wife could definitely say I do have that. Um, I, I could not keep focusing in class, um, and especially in science and math. And the teacher in science would give us these big packets. This is fifth grade. And she would hand us this, this big packet, and we had to complete this on our own when we had free class time and, and at home. And uh, man, this thing was, uh, was scary, this packet, uh, because I didn't understand it, and then I had to read through the book to get the answers to it, and, and it was just very daunting. And uh, I did not want to spend my whole weekend working on this packet because I didn't understand anything. I think it had to do with, uh, with uh, bone structures and anatomy, whatever it was. Um, it was too painful. And, uh, but the kid next to me, he had his out. 
And I said, hey, can I look at, at yours? I'm having some difficulty with this. And he said, yeah, sure, whatever. And uh, so I copied his whole packet. What I did not notice is that the teacher was standing by and just watching me. <laughs> and like, brilliant by the teacher, she didn't stop me. That was a lot of work of copying that. That was a big packet. And I had copied the whole thing, and it was a lot of work that I did. I put into it. I mean, I didn't do the work of reading it and finding out, but I, I, I copied all of it. And um, then she came around and to check, and I had it all done. And then she took her marker out, and uh, first mistake I made was copying. I, I admit that. I, that was the first mistake. The second mistake I made was copying off someone who also did not understand science. <laughs> um, what she did was she graded it, and it was not a great grade. And then she said, oh yeah, I also noticed that you, you copied off of this person, and, and he let you do that, so you guys are gonna split that grade. And so uh, I think I got like a 30-something on that, and, um, and I had to live with that, and I tried to hide it from my parents, except my teacher was a genius, and she had this thing where you had to have your parents sign it, all right? Teachers who do that are geniuses. Um, I ended up being a fifth grade teacher, so I learned a lot of great things. Um, but, um, so, but I waited all weekend long. Of course, I wasn't going to give it on Friday, right? So I gave it late Sunday night to my parents, uh, but I had to stew with this all weekend long, knowing that they were going to be really mad. And so it stewed in me. It sat in me. And it just felt awful, like I was hiding something from my parents. And I knew that they didn't know yet, but they will know. And it just felt awful. You know that feeling that you have something just kind of in you and you just want to get it out? And finally, I did tell them. I confessed. I told them. And I didn't like the punishment I got. However, it felt so so good to not hold on to that stuff anymore. To just let it go and let it be free. And now it was known, and I didn't have that inside of me anymore. In pressing on, Paul is not saying, forget what happened. I'm just forgetting about it. Like, I, yeah, I did it, but poof, it's forgotten about. No, Paul's not saying that. You and I both know if you take all of your junk that you're hiding and you just bury it in here and try to forget it, you may not have it in your mind, but it'll come out in different ways. It sits there. It festers inside of you, even though you don't even realize that you're not thinking about it. And your reactions with people change. Uh, your anger comes out. You may have a short temper. And all of this has to do with the things that you have buried inside of you just festering. And even though you're not thinking about them, they are still affecting your life. When things of the past fester in you, it shows. Even when you're trying to forget about it. Often you may even focus too much on what others do. People who have things festering inside of them are often not thinking about themselves, and they're thinking about a lot of what other people do. 
Um, I listened to a pastor who said beautifully that we like to focus on others because we haven't dealt with our own stuff. But once you come face to face with your own baggage and you deal with that stuff that you've kind of buried in there, Jesus spins you into a new creation. He takes that stuff, like we said earlier, any trajectory into a new direction, a new creation, and uses that stuff to do something great. I had a friend, um, and this guy was so loved. Um, he got along with everyone. I mean, the toughest of people, he got along with them. It didn't even, like, those people didn't bother him at all. And you're like, how come this isn't bothering you? It just didn't. Um, I got to know him a little bit more and know more about his life. And, and what we found out uh, eventually was that he was an alcoholic. And he dealt with that uh, in, in major ways. And, and he, had, he had overcome it. And, and in, in, in overcoming that, he did it through his faith. Uh, he loved sports. So he, he, he spent a lot of time doing sports. He loved photography. And uh, he was a professional in that, so he focused a lot of time in that. And so he dealt with his baggage, and he dealt with his stuff, but he used it to do awesome things. And because he was doing awesome things, and he dealt with his baggage, the stuff that other people did didn't bother him anymore. He dealt with his stuff. And so he wasn't worried about other people. It wasn't intimidating to him. What Paul is saying by forgetting the past is that he's saying, put that stuff in Christ, let Christ do what he's going to do and make you a new cre creation, and rewrite you a new story. Paul, his story was rewritten. He was no longer the Pharisee that was ordering Christians' death. In fact, he was not the leader of that. He was the leader of Christ who makes all things new, who rewrites stories for hope. See how it was rewritten in Paul for something awesome to happen? He's saying that the very thing that you struggle with, if you let Jesus heal that and work in you, it could be the story that someone else needs to hear. Do you realize this? That the thing that you may be struggling with could be the thing that leads to healing for someone else. You could be struggling with a past trauma. Maybe someone needs to hear about how Jesus can heal those types of things. You could be struggling from a past or current addiction. Maybe in your healing, someone down the road will hear about your healing and get healed themselves. So if you're not doing it for yourself, maybe you'll do it for someone else. Whatever you're trying to do or forget, uh, illnesses, financial issues, you name it. Whatever you're struggling with, if you let Christ re-spin that, rewrite your story, it could be something that someone needs to hear about and get healing next month and years to come. 
10 years, who knows? Your story could be the healing that someone needs. If you are here today and maybe you have been going to church your whole life, but you never trusted this Jesus to do this kind of thing with your past, your anger, your shame, your grief, your mourning, Jesus is calling you to put your trust in him. Your healing could be the very thing that someone else needs to hear about. 